and that delusion unfortunately didn't end up helping me achieve what I set to achieve, but it ended up in me eating humble pie, which I'm happy to say that I experienced looking back, as being rewarded despite the wrong behaviour is a great recipe for killing the learning process. Welcome to the Waiting Game Podcast, a podcast where I attempt to bring more dialogue into the world of Olympic weightlifting and share my experiences and perspectives in the sport and resistance training in general. It was a perspective I wish was more accessible during my earlier years of training, so here is my attempt to bring that value to those who may be seeking it. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Waiting Game Podcast. I am your one and only host, Brandon Wakeling, Olympian and multiple-time representative at the Commonwealth Games. And in this episode, I wanted to touch on a topic that I've asked both previous guests, I've also asked various coaches and athletes outside of doing the podcast, and it's something that I've always had a great interest in, and that is putting all physical attributes aside, what is it that makes a great weightlifter? Everyone's going to have their own opinions, of course, so I thought, through my experiences so far with what I've seen and experienced, I've produced a list of what I believe makes a good weightlifter, and I've narrowed it down to five key traits for this episode. Some of these are multifaceted and have various different components that all relate and are grouped together, all which I feel are necessary in regards to being a great weightlifter. To start off this list, I will start with one that is certainly needed if you want to improve technically in the sport and also have a long-standing career, and that is being coachable. And you may think that this is an easy one, but it isn't for everyone. The ability to have trust in your coach, be receptive to feedback, be willing to learn and actually implement technical cues and take on board advice from those in a coaching position towards you which can include others outside of your weightlifting coach, so being your physio, perhaps you have a dietitian, the list can go on from there. But this is huge. For those that aren't coachable, it can be for a variety of reasons, but one that I've commonly seen is the role of the ego and being resistant to change, an absolute killer when it comes to long-term improvement. There's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which I'm sure everyone is already aware of, but for those that don't, It's a cognitive bias where people with limited knowledge and expertise in a field greatly overestimate their own competence and due to the fact that they are unaware of their deficiencies, they are generally unaware that they even have them. Quoting back to some years ago now, but I believe it was Shakespeare that said that the fool thinks himself to be wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool, which essentially sums up what I'm saying. And this is actually one of my biggest fears in being unconsciously incompetent in something that I'm actively pursuing. Although that fear alone very much keeps me within that conscious incompetent state, which I feel in weightlifting due to the sheer depth of understanding and the ever-changing environment, to take the stance that you know more than a coach and don't even respect any of their input, I feel is absolutely insane. You can see this with some beginners or beginners that become coaches earlier on in their understanding. When I've been at competitions at the elite level, between coaches and athletes, you wouldn't believe the amount of conscious incompetence that is present among most. 
everyone is well aware of their deficiencies and are willing to discuss to then improve. And this includes coaches at the top level also. They aren't exactly standing on a pedestal, but they too discuss within themselves in order to develop their craft as they know the amount of variability and depth within the field. So if you're sitting there with a bachelor degree in exercise science, one year of training under your belt with two competition appearances, please don't think you're on a high horse, as there is such a long road ahead that it extends well beyond your horizon. Now, enough ranting, I can continue on with this for much longer, but that's just the first of five traits that I've listed here to make a great weightlifter. So coachability, number one. The second one I'm going to go over, which is very important in weightlifting, which is the ability to delay gratification and also having that resilience and perseverance when it comes to your training. I would say this is rather stoic in its essence, and it simply entails knowing what needs to be done, partaking in the process, and being willing to do so for the long term. Not doing a 12-week program where you sprint through, then going missing afterwards for a few months before doing another random program again. I mean continuing the process for years on end, delaying short-term gratification, not becoming impatient with the progression, mastering the mundane aspects of training, overcoming inevitable hardships through injury or personal circumstances, and then one day, years down the track, you eventually bear the fruits of your labor. I've seen so many that produce results once or twice, or have the ability to produce results that just seem to get in their own way. Whether that's through boredom with the grind that is weightlifting, where they get distracted by some new shiny thing, or they get discouraged through a single bump in the road. There is an ideal that is being a great weightlifter that people can aspire to, but the reality in which it means to actually obtain that ideal is a lot more difficult than you may think. If you take a look at the weightlifters who have worn the green and gold at the Olympics, or have at least attempted over the past decade, I mentioned the Olympics as the qualification process for this event specifically is quite arduous and requires more than just a single qualification event, which ties into the ability to be able to persevere long term. You can't just simply pop out of a cave somewhere, lift once and compete at this event. To make this event, you actually have to travel all over the world and be doing at least five, six competitions internationally within a short period of time. So I'm not referring just to the people that are at the Olympics, but anyone that has ever tried. There is a certain level of perseverance and resilience needed, which then ties into that same level of perseverance needed in order to add weight to your snatch and clean and jerk over time. Now moving on to number three, which is the ability to focus and have attention to detail. Now somewhat similar to the last point I made, but instead of having a macro focus, I'm talking about the micro now. So talking session to session, set to set, rep by rep focus. This was a shock to me initially when I started weightlifting, as the amount of technical detail when it comes to, say, the biomechanics of a snatch or clean and jerk is so overwhelming when you get started. And it takes a certain kind of athlete to pursue this sport purely for this reason, as there are so many other things that you could do that are a lot less intricate, but perhaps this is the allure to learning the Olympic lifts in the first place. I was very much someone who would try to pursue the improvement of my general athleticism being speed, agility, and power in all of my prior sporting endeavors before weightlifting. I never really got into depth with technique in anything that I did. I did to a degree to become satisfactory in that regard, but never seriously delved deep into it. 
Weightlifting was my first wake-up call where I needed to bring more to the table, which is what caused me to then pursue it over everything else. Talking purely on weightlifting biomechanics alone is such a fascinating subject that I've been obsessive with for years now, as I can't believe how much detail it actually entails. Not saying everyone has to know the joint angles needed for a specific position or the exact speed necessary in order to get under a specific weight, but the amount of detail in these two lifts are something that is not to be taken lightly. Alongside the attention to detail, there needs to be a level of focus necessary. As in weightlifting, as some people may know, sessions are generally much longer than a standard gym session. I've had warm-ups and pre-session accessories that have taken longer than my entire gym sessions before I even started weightlifting. Three-hour-plus sessions have been more than just the norm for myself personally, and even more so, competitions demand such a prolonged period of focus that it becomes so exhausting after it's all been said and done. Take my last Commonwealth Games appearance, for example. Here's the minute-by-minute breakdown of how long it took in between each snatch and clean and jerk. Between my first and second snatch, I waited 10 minutes. Between my second and third snatch, I waited 24 minutes. Between my third snatch and my first clean and jerk, I waited 59 minutes. Between my first and second clean and jerk, I waited 21 minutes. Between my second and third clean and jerk, I waited 1 minute and 40 seconds because I missed the wait and had to follow myself. Essentially what I'm saying here is that you need to keep your eye on the prize for prolonged periods of time in this sport. Otherwise, you might end up just like me and have to follow yourself and have only a 1 minute and 40 second rest between your second and third clean and jerk. Moving on to number 4, which is the ability to have self-awareness and a level of intuition in your training and in competition. The ability to have an understanding of what your body is and isn't capable of When it comes to the time to strike while the iron's hot, or take a step back, the ability to deviate from the competition plan mid-competition and discuss with your coach to hit more appropriate numbers, or to go for it when you're feeling confident in yourself. It's beneficial and certainly essential in your long-term progress. You may see with some people who have an inflated sense of what they believe they can do in training and on the platform. Some who bring a lot of ego into their training will keep putting weight on the bar in their technicals and miss over and over, typically attempting weights that they essentially have 0% chance of making. So I'm not referring to those that are having close misses in training, or say if this person is doing strength work in an effort to accept the fact that they aren't improving as fast as they would like in the squat, for example, they will load the bar up heavier and then just cut their depth short to give a false sense of progression, setting a dangerous precedent in future. I used to be like this in my technical work, not necessarily my strength unless I was holding an injury at the time and was squatting shallower in the interim for recovery, but I used to miss all the time in my technical work, and it hindered my progress because my ego didn't allow me to lower the weight and get some good technical volume in. I felt I needed to follow some insane trajectory of improvement and didn't have any time to scale back. And that delusion, unfortunately, didn't end up helping me achieve what I'd set to achieve, but it ended up in me eating humble pie, which I'm happy to say that I experienced looking back, as being rewarded despite the wrong behavior is a great recipe for killing the learning process. Now, to end the podcast, I have one more point to go over, and this doesn't necessarily have to do with performance on the platform or in training, 
but has more to do with legacy and those in the sport that are aspiring to reach that top level. And it has more to do with once it's all said and done, is your career worthy of respect and admiration long term? And that is upholding a certain level of integrity about yourself. For those that live under a rock in weightlifting, when I talk of elite weightlifting on a grand international and elite level, integrity, honesty, and ethical behavior are almost non-existent. Well, especially if we go back in time, there seems to be somewhat of a shift in today's day and age, but not to the ideals that people probably wish we have, which, of course, due to human nature, is essentially unattainable. Here's a quick example. The McLaren report came out in 2020 and it comprehensively covered the corruption in weightlifting over the years spanning from 2009 to 2019, so just a decade. And through that decade time span, they uncovered manipulation to the anti-doping system, nepotism, inadequate testing oversight that allowed any country to manipulate their own anti-doping process, as those who have watched the Netflix documentary Icarus have probably already seen. A specific example being the old CEO of the IWF, the International Weightlifting Federation, would receive cash bribes from countries, just to name a few, not all, including the likes of Russia, Kazakhstan, Belarus, Armenia, Moldova, Turkey, Azerbaijan, Ukraine, Bulgaria, where they would exchange the bribe for covering up positive doping test results so those doped athletes could then still compete and win at all international competitions. Now, aside from that one example at more of an institutional level, talking to more of the individual level now, if you're someone that achieves highs in the sport but does so through extreme levels of deception like above, I know personally that I just can't have that respect or admiration towards this. Keep in mind that this approach can create an if-you-can't-beat-them-join-them culture which I do understand, so I can't purely put the onus on the individual, but more so towards the institution that has created the whole culture to begin with. I don't believe that all of these athletes that are cheating have a malevolent attitude towards this deceptive approach, but they are more so adhering to the reality that has been paved for them when they look back in history. The moral of the last section is, if you're an aspiring weightlifter that wants to achieve things in the sport and leave somewhat of a legacy behind, I would start with encouraging lifters at your own gym, be someone who's good to be around, have some values and ethics and actually stand for something and lead by example. If you're someone who deceives, cheats and through purely selfish actions lifts a house one day and thinks by proxy everyone's going to be at your feet because of it, you're more so just going to be known as that insufferable lifter that has produced a breath of fresh air for everyone once you're finally out of their vision. And that caps off number five. So those are my five traits that I believe it takes to be a great weightlifter. As always, I'm thankful to everyone that does listen to this podcast. One thing before I go, if you are a beginner weightlifter out there and feel like you are struggling technically with a snatch, I have created a 45-page ebook slash program which outlines the snatch completely, breaking down all progressions and variations from the start all the way to the end, which is the full snatch. So there's a whole list of progressions. Each one also has an accompanied video within this ebook. So if you're someone that may benefit from this, it is completely free. If you go to my Instagram bio in my link tree, it is the very first link in which you can then download. So on that note, I'll end there and I'll see everyone next week with another fresh episode. See you then.